that there'd be plenty of newspapers with plenty of different people controlling them, so that there's a variety of viewpoints, but there's a choice for the public. You shouldn't be trying to turn this into a subsequent media circus. Good morning, sir. How are you? So you've yes, got exactly. to stick to yes. your guns, Tom. Don't listen to yeah, these so silly thank you. apps. I won't listen to these. And Zeb, you don't have to listen to these university professors telling you that you need to call them Sir, you call them, <laughs> you know, Jake or Lisa or whatever their first yeah. name is. You call them whatever yeah, you there's like. There's no Mr. Vic, Vic professor. Mr. Professor. Mr. Professor. <laughs> Imagine Excuse that me, was Mr. the guidelines. <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Professor. <laughs> um, I was wondering if you could please refill the uh, drinks the drinks fountain because the water so, doesn't come out. The voice, it's so good. It sounds like an actual cartoon character. That's a, that was a, a character me and Zeb used to do way back in the day. Yeah, what was that? Uh, Dirk, Dirk Diggler's or something like uh, that. Oh, yeah. Dirk Diggler's. What was it? Yeah, Dirk. On film shoots when we yeah. were meant to be doing stuff and we'd just be goofing around with hammers. And, and not, I don't think anyone was laughing but me and Zeb. I think that's the Most of, most most of, of our time. character work was... Well, even when yeah, I would yeah, just yeah, hang yeah, yeah, out yeah. with you two in the beaks and it was just you two laughing and I was like, what is happening half the time? <laughs> it was <laughs> Didn't, uh, yeah. a podcast altogether. <laughs> Just Didn't you write a, a, a the poem about that once? I think you told me once that you I? wrote a poem about oh, hanging out in the bungalow oh, being like, yeah. I want to go to bed. <laughs> probably. I think I would have. <laughs> I would have deleted Zeb it keeps putting way. on a new drone song and having one more cigarette. One <laughs> more cigarette. That's the, that was the title of the poem. <laughs> and Tom know. is yelling and prancing and shouting. Yes. And yes, yes, with yes. Lifting weights that were very heavy for you. That was, I feel yes. like that was just like one time. That was the and first, was the time, first I time, time I met you. No, yeah. no, it wasn't. I, I was lifting a lot of weights for a long time. Oh, yeah, no, but, but there was that time where muscle. I remember try, you and me trying to lift um, like 25 kilos with our, with our foot. Yeah, yeah. And I was that thinking, was to That oh was my. to uh, offset the anxiety of meeting Rachel for the first time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you did yeah. well. You did good. That's how I fit in. <laughs> Rachel remembers me. Yes. What, a, what a fantastic man. <laughs> Fabulous man. Oh, hello, Rachel. Hello. What's hello. your name, Rachel? Hello. <laughs> um, so, welcome to uh, Op Heads. My name is Coward Huntington. Uh, I don't know why I always go to say more. Um, what's your names? What is my name? That's a very good question, Tom. <laughs> I could really get into a very big philosophical discussion. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got the time for it. My <laughs> name it is Rachel <laughs> is Anne Marie's Philomena Morrow. <laughs> Philomena? Philomena is my confirmation name. Really? Yes, we have oh. had this discussion multiple times. Yeah. It's for weeks I don't Zeb? know your name. My Zeb, name, what's your full name? My name is Zeb. And this is uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is Offheads. This is our charcuterie board cocktail favorites episode. Charcuterie. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, are we uh, b- briefly? There was a, once a discussion we had about calling this dickheads, but I don't know. Are we sticking with that? Or are we not going to do that? Yeah, I don't know. I guess we can trial run it as dickheads, but I do Why? like well, let's, charcuterie let's, board. I don't agree with and this. cocktail favorites. Okay, well then let's not do it. Let's call Why cocktail dickhead? favorites. Dickheads is not funny. That's that's not. <laughs> okay. that's, no. Are you calling me a dickhead? Well, that's. <laughs> <laughs> Let's call it cocktail favorites. I like cocktail favorites. So in this episode, we're going to kind of relax, kick our feet up a little bit, and just I I, I suppose the thing centering uh, on this episode, we're going to be talking about the the Great Emu Wars, which is a fan uh, suggestion from uh, a friend of the show and good fan Miller. 
Number one fan. Yeah, number one fan. Number one fan, I'd go as far as say. So we're going to be talking about that, but we're also going to be kind of like giving some updates on some of the other episodes we talked about and a little sort of catch up to see kind of how the experiment so far is going. And, you know, if anyone has any sort of, I don't know, media related uh, updates for some of the topics that we've talked about. Um, so I suppose that's probably a good place to start is like our, our intention at the beginning of the show and how do you feel like it's sort of worked so far? I think, what do I think? <laughs> I don't know. I think there's like definitely a part of it that has worked because I think like with each episode, we definitely go down different perspectives and different kind of avenues surrounding a topic. And so we get to kind of learn about mm. those things in a lot more depth. But I don't think when we originally started, which maybe we never really made clear to our audience, but I think to me it was always about the news outlets themselves and how they influenced yeah, yeah. our opinions. But I don't think that part has succeeded very well because I think we mostly yeah, – yeah. it's more the information itself that has been different and how specifically different how, information like, yeah, yeah. can alter opinions and how they can like kind of – change the way I look at a specific topic. I th- yeah, I kind of I was I think the episode that most surprised me about like and whether or not this is our selection of the different media paths or whether it's like our perception of what the differences are is like I guess a big question. But for me it was like the Nagorno Karabakh episode I totally expected to see uh like a real split between like the the you know like western media and kind of like and the sort of you know independent media like painting a completely different war but i, I yeah. mean the differences i guess are like more uh tonal or or more like what is chosen to be talked about and less of like completely different parallel universes and i wonder for that episode which would have been very hard and kind of i guess even unnecessary but like i think the experiment for that episode might have been better if we had looked at like specifically um uh, azerbaijani or armenian but especially i think azerbaijani propaganda media and then compared it to like some more you know air quotes objective media if you know yeah, what i mean like yeah. i think like that could yeah cuz i think like if anything it's made me a little like I don't know if, like, I think I had this sort of, like, un, uh, unproven cynicism that, like, oh, anything that you read in these sort of, you know, lefty liberal news media, like The Guardian is just a whole, like, a load of shit and there's a real story where it's like, no, it's like, it's just the the depth that it goes into or the uh, some of the angles, like, maybe. It's, it's sort of from our experiment so far, that's what I'm kind of seeing. It's like, yeah. it's not... Yeah, I, don't I know. agree with that because I think also just being surrounded by Zeb all the time, I have been conditioned to believe surrounded by that <laughs> news and media <laughs> outlets are wrong <laughs> and that they yeah, are yeah, corrupt. but it, but um, but they, which they are, of course. Which, yeah, like, of I, course, like I really yeah. maintain <laughs> that you love yeah. you mock me. But I think <laughs> that like I I was expecting it to be a lot more clear cut in Ex- a lot of extreme. Our, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I guess maybe, Zeb, if you have thoughts on, like, the Nagorno-Karabakh one pops especially out to me of, like, kind of, I mean, we talked about it on the show, obviously, but kind of, like, what you think that the, I don't know, like, the that episode sort of showed. Yeah, I think I, I was surprised by how neutral, and only saying how neutral in that I thought it would be extremely not neutral, uh, how neutral yeah, it yeah. ended up being. But I also think, I don't know, I was thinking about this recently. I think that the more, like, um, 
how do I put this? Like, if 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 someone's writing about something that's like very kind of uh, close to close to home for people, so I think like Apex Gang's like a good yeah. example where like the closer uh, the kind of like general public is going to be to an issue the the heavier the bias and all of that kind of stuff whereas i think mm-hmm. that when you get into that sort of like you know like uh conflict in a between two kind of like unknown parts of the world i think that there's like slightly less reason to be too biased about it because you're not really trying to influence people because that's like such a the, like the people that that are invested in it is like a pretty small audience and you're not necessarily going to win heaps of people over towards any particular agenda that you might have about the whole thing. In those sorts of pieces, you're literally just informing the unbiased audience, you know, like you're literally yeah, trying to I just mean, give them information about. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say that, I wouldn't say that anyone's like fully doing that, but like, that's like, they presented like that a lot more than. But they're also, yeah, but they're not pushing an agenda. Yeah, but I think that they they still very well could be, but it's not nearly as overt. And as yeah, it's it's just not as extreme. I think I think it'd be interesting to to do when it comes to like war corresponding or whatever. I think it'd be interesting to do a kind of similar episode themed around uh like a, to note the differences with something where you know like if we're looking at American, I guess, like uh, or British uh, like like liberal news media, something where like those countries have a, a stake in creating some kind of bias because I think uh, being underreported, choosing something that was like specifically underreported conflict, my idea was like, oh, why is it underreported? Oh, it's for a reason because they don't want to say something specific that makes, you know, their kind of like the people that kind of fund them look bad or whatever. But then I suppose it's like the, it was underreported because they don't have a stake in it really like so i think it'd be interesting i don't know does that make sense like maybe yeah. it'd be interesting yeah, yeah. to choose an episode one day where like the media has a, a purpose to create bias as opposed to just like not talking about it because it's not that sexy or or like you know they don't have a specific reason to try and like make it look a certain way yeah totally yeah i think like i think a good episode for that would be hong kong oh for sure yeah oh yeah Definitely. actually yeah well <laughs> maybe we should <laughs> yeah. do that next <laughs> Well, this is turning into a production meeting, but I agree. But I think, like, I think what I'm finding is, like, I think we're sort of getting our feet because also, obviously, the big, you know, question, like, is like, we're the ones picking the the media. Yeah, 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 for sure. But I think that's what we kind of also make known is that we take into account our already our biases based on our lives and our societies and cultures and stuff yeah, that we yeah. live in. And so I think we kind of. I don't know if it's necessarily that we're trying to be as objective. It's more that we're reading something and seeing how that media can influence someone who is already biased, like how yeah, it yeah, can actually yeah, yeah. change or alter the way that we are viewing this topic despite our bias and like kind of the words and the tones and the way that they craft the media in order to kind of sway people and persuade people and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And uh, do you think, Rachel, that you've learned anything about your biases through this show? Yes, I think I have. I think I've realized that, not that I'm easily gullible, because I wouldn't say that I am. I think I'm like, I can still analyze things and still see through bullshit. But I'm also thinking that like, if I'm reading something, I try and see it for the whole picture of what it is rather than just yeah, yeah. what they're saying. And even then okay, also cool. what they're not saying. Like, I think you guys 
have a way of reading something and always just see what they're not saying. Whereas I think I take what they're saying and I'm like, yes, okay, I agree or I disagree or I believe that or whatever. But I see that as like a a, a larger representation. Does that make sense? I think if anything, I go the complete opposite direction. I think what I'm realizing from this show, like my floor is like more this kind of very annoying um, – like like a corner of the bar kind of cynicism without without knowing why like just sort of generally going like oh it's all a bunch of bullshit and like yeah, and like yeah. you know kind of like like talking about things that I don't really understand and kind of making you know like I, I spend a lot of time you know being drunk or whatever and making sort of wild assumptions about topics that I, I really had no evidence to back up it was just sort of my my ideas about like oh well probably it could be because I don't like the U.S. government because I read on Reddit and like I think I'm learning a lot more about like having sort of like um, I don't know like taking opinions from from actually reading source material and not just like kind of creating opinions out of thin air and then yeah, backing them yeah. up yeah. if that ma- for sure that I don't makes know, sense. There's a, there's a word for that, uh, being obnoxious, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> There's a word that probably explains what that it's is. You're that, being a you debater, know. Tom. You're becoming a debater. You're taking yeah, drunk debater, resources yeah. and learning how and to... And misremembering them. them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think Tom exactly, does yeah. the best in terms of research. You definitely uh, yeah, are more thorough but... in your research than I am. But also I think it's interesting now that like doing, you know, not that I like now I walk around being like, I'm an expert on these topics, but now that I have more of a researched opinion about these topics and I talk to people, not so much because we're still in lockdown, uh, but like if these conversations come up, it's interesting to see that like some people obviously just know the same stuff I have because it's not that hard to find this stuff out. But then there is a lot of people that will be like, oh yeah, it, what it's about, it's about low grazing cattle or what, and you'll go like, no, it's not. Like, I mean, that's not even like what the side I don't agree with thinks. That's just not like, that's just you <laughs> going, it's probably something to do with, it's like, you can sort of see it a little more. Like, I think it's, you know, and, and that's what I want. So I'm not like. <laughs> yeah. But I think like, uh, Zeb, let's talk about research. Maybe do you have any like, kind of like, I don't know, like, what have you kind of learned from like the, the show? Have you learned anything? Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, I feel like you were, the, as Rachel sort of pinpointed, I think you were the most like fully kind of um, wizened, like in terms of like having kind of like a already a pretty kind of like widespread perspective, and um, uh, like I don't know, like I, I feel like you got a kind of the best general knowledge uh, out of the three of us. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm it's wrong true. there. He does. Or Rachel. It could be Rachel. It's not me. I don't think so. I have, have we not proven in all of these episodes that I know nothing? That I'm constantly coming to the table being like, what are we talking about? What is this thing that I have not heard of? Yes, it's like, how many updates does Rachel have tonight? One. Which one? The Britney Spears one. Oh, the one that I gave you. Yes, but I also didn't know that we had to do that. I didn't know what we were doing. Don't, don't throw me under the bus then. I'm throwing you under the bus. You are. You threw You're me under, under the, the bus. bus. I'm, I'm scrambling. <laughs> Help me. Help They're me. pushing you down there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think like it's still like I I think I, I, I have always done a certain amount of research, but I think it's like I've never had to like formalize it as much as this show has made me. Yeah. Yeah. And now uni is making me do it even more so so you're sat you're saturated in research now now i'm a researching man but it's good because yeah like it definitely it's made it 
easier to go into uni because I am a little bit more disciplined in it and writing things down and all of that. I think I've also gotten quite lucky for the most part. Like a lot of the time, the thing that I kind of get, um, I, I have to, the, the kind of branch that I have to go down is one that I like going down anyway. And to have an excuse is quite good. Yeah, exactly. I, I've really, I've really been enjoying doing the research. I didn't think I would actually. I thought that like, I'd be like, oh God, this would be a hassle. But actually I really enjoy it because sometimes you just feel like, uh, it's like cooking. <laughs> you just like <laughs> yeah. a, you grab a little bit over here, <laughs> then grab a little bit over there. <laughs> That's not how I think of it at all. I think no, of really? it as such a hassle. I hate research. It's like <laughs> most of the point of the show is doing the research. Though. I know, but I really don't like it. I just get <laughs> no. Really I don't. I, don't annoyed. I just like the stardom. <laughs> I'm not sad. That's so horrible. I'm not vain. I'm slightly vain. I'm not that vain. I just like talking about it. Like I like learning. I am not a what are the what what's what is it? A linguistic learner? I learn by being spoken to. I learn by discussion. So I find it very I feel like I just when I have to research, I feel like it's a chore and like I have to do it. Yeah, I like, get that. I prefer I get that. to do it when I don't have to, you know? I don't like the idea of having to do something. I have I know, a fear it's, of it's, commitment, it's, Thomas. It's, <laughs> it's, re- it's really hard when you get told you're like, okay, you, you're learning about like Galapagos turtle hunters and then you just <laughs> go to Google and you go like – what the fuck do I like? I, I think Googling is. I, some people have a the natural skill for Googling. I do not have a natural yeah. skill yeah, for Googling. Me too. I like, still type like how to change a light bulb rather than, you know, light bulb change tutorial or something like that. You know, I still I'll, ask, I'll Google, I still straight ask up Google like, questions, which I hate. Yeah, as I pinpointed the last one, I'll, I'll, I'll Google like just legitimately like. Stories about Sudanese immigrants to Australia having a hard time, you know, <laughs> settling into Australian culture and Australia's racist. Like, <laughs> I just, I just like Google two words. That's always my Googling is like just the topic. Ah. And then I wait for the, and then I have to read through a bunch of things to figure out like my very yeah, specific yeah, yeah, yeah. area. But then it just takes a lot of time. And I also just. Well, then maybe you should refine. I know that. Google more than two words. Well, should I be Googling how to Google? <laughs> Maybe just one time. <laughs> I feel like we all should, probably. I don't know. I just get tired. It's just, I think it's I get tired. tired. It is tired. Everything. <laughs> it can be quite boring. I also think it's because I feel like, especially for the large majority of, of the show, like it should be noted that like, it was like, especially like, uh, like uh, at the beginning, you were the only one who had a job. Like <laughs> what it was doing. Like, so you, you're balancing that with like a, a full-time work commitment. And I noticed the difference now between when I was like uh, in quarantine and not working and I'd just go like, I'll just, I'll, I'll get a book. I could get two books and just <laughs> read them at my leisure. I'll go, oh, well, you know, it's like I had like yeah. fucking five straight days where mm-hmm. I could literally, I mean, I never did, but I could only do op-eds research the whole time. While as you were like coming home, covered in, you know, Greece and you put your workers cap down on the, <laughs> yeah. on the hat rack and then the mill. settle yeah. in yes. for a, a yes. pipe by the fireplace. <laughs> if only that was my life. That would be so funny. I would love to just come home covered in grease in my overalls yes. and say, oh, honey, <laughs> I'm home. I, I picture Zeb sitting at like the dining room table with a little candle <laughs> and like some cold steak being like, late again. <laughs> yeah, a glass of been wine. been waiting for <laughs> <laughs> It's I've not been far waiting. from the truth. That was, <laughs> that was it for a while. <laughs> yeah, but that was right, the other well, way around. Now I come home from work and you're the one with the wine. 
and I'm and in the, bed. And the cold dinner. <laughs> yeah, and I've yeah, been yeah. crying. I think on this, um, that's one thing that I have learned a lot about this podcast is that I'm very open about my emotions to lots of random strangers. I discuss my period pain. I discuss my cryings. I discuss. Did we leave, we we did excluded the period pain. No, I think we included that in. No, that's in there. That's in there. Oh. Why not? Who cares? Why not? Get exactly. it in there. But I think I yeah, I'm very open to strangers on this thing. I think it's like my own therapy session, guys. That's great. <laughs> that's, that's really good. Very very dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't say that to people. We'll cover that up. So I, I uh, we have we have some. Uh, oh, oh, firstly, actually. Uh, do we have any have I, I I'm still struggling to collect any kind of like specific criticism. I've got some sort of like some vague stuff, but like no one's really ever been like, oh you you really apart from that one that we talked about about um Stephen King, have you guys got in any kind of negative feedback or like criticism or corre- oh actually no no no. What the hell am I talking about? I've got a correction. I've got a big <laughs> correction. Um when I talked about uh the Hewison's uh film project Dog Milk Films I uh, insinuated that the their upcoming documentary A Luck is out but it's not out it's going to be out later they're still working on it so that's uh, that should be noted okay. I should also note that I think on the d- the day of this uh of this episode coming out let me check the 27th I think no uh, which will you know be the day you're listening to this? There's an event <laughs> that I need to shout out uh, about dog milk films uh, that I have chosen to shout out. Um, I was uh, uh, <coughs> Miller told me uh, that I uh, referred to those ARGs as augmented reality games when in fact they are called yes alternate reality games. Alternate. Oh God. Oh. No. Yeah, because augmented reality. Like Google Augmented Glass. reality would it, it's you googled Glass <laughs> what? <laughs> it's like it's Google Glass augmented you know like Google Glass. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking when you said that. It sounds like what? like I imagine someone like drawing something with paint and it's three D like in high point. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, this is fucking <laughs> sick. <laughs> yeah, because no, no. augmented reality is like AR f- filters, like filters. Yeah. You yeah yeah. So what are we talking about? We're talking about what? pretending. Well, you know, air quotes. Pretending that, like, what if, what if Lindsay Lohan is a clone? Yeah. Oh, alternate then, reality. Yes, yes. That that was. The <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. But um, okay. Well, from? that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> what episode are we talking about? I don't know. I can't remember <laughs> when I was talking about it, but yes. But I'm very sorry to uh, to Sam for saying that. I, I thought a look was out because I swear I tried to stream it one time, and then I was like, "Yeah, I should really watch this because it looks interesting." And then I think maybe I, I just tried to open like a trailer, and then my internet didn't work, and that was my idea of being like, uh, "I tried to watch a look." Um, Saturday, March 27th at 7 p.m at uh, 52A Holmes Street, East Brunswick, which might be the very night you're listening to this. Tickets are $16.90 if they're still available. And it's called Purple Sea. It's a fundraiser screening uh, for refugee voices, promoting refugee voices. Oh, that's cool. I want to go. And it's just some live music and, and so forth. But uh, go to that if you're in Melbourne. And it's not too late. Sorry if it is too late. Yes. Um... We have a total of we have a total of, of one <laughs> fan question which I'm going to present to you now, which comes from uh, Anna. Anna and who? Anna, what's your relationship dot, 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 to Anna? Which may or may or may not be my lovely girlfriend. She wants to know. 
what what do you guys eat for breakfast? And she wants to specifically note that she's not talking about this morning. She means generally, what do you eat for breakfast? Ooh, I love this question. Thank you so much, Anna. I would like to answer that with I don't eat breakfast. I have a <laughs> cup of coffee. <laughs> What a wonderful question. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I don't do that bullshit. <laughs> I am a working I intermittently woman. fast. I, I do actually, <laughs> but accidentally, <laughs> accidentally. I intermittently fast accidentally. Um, I yeah, have yeah. a cup of coffee. It's a black coffee on my way to work in a keep cup. And then I'm trying to start drinking smoothies. So when I have soy milk and berries, I make smoothies. But that's about it. But that's not all the time. It's it's very <laughs> sparse. I'm very sporadic. <laughs> sparse. Are we going yeah, well, to incorrectly use the word sparse again? <laughs> sparse again and again. Uh, that was and incorrect. That was correct. Sparse. I, like I think what it is is like what I what I do with words like sparse. I note that every episode I have one <laughs> one word word or phrase of the episode that just is peppered throughout, <laughs> like <laughs> reoccurring reoccurring uh, reoccurring weird Motifs. sentences. Yes, motifs. Yes. Yes, we love the motifs. Yes, yes, yes. I I hate hearing myself say like uh, so the, the the point of this episode is it's unresearched so you're pulling hair out the <laughs> <laughs> That's why I think I hear the most. And Zeb, what do you eat for breakfast? You've avoided the question I notice. Um I'll tell you what I eat for breakfast. I eat um <laughs> I make some toast and then I put tomato paste and cheese on it. And then before I put that under the grill, <laughs> pizza toast, before I put that under the grill and oh, turn it into God. pizza toast, I <laughs> turn on my, I turn on the stove and put a pot on it and I make some very tasty scrambled eggs. And then just as well as the scrambled eggs very are elaborate. finishing up, the grill is already on. So it's very hot. And then I put the pizza toast in under the grill, turn it into wow, pizza wow, toast, wow. and if I can synchronize it up really well, I um, I can then eat the scrambled eggs on the pizza toast. It's like a particularly disgusting breakfast of mine, but I love it. I've been eating it, it works. A lot. It gets. I only eat it when Rachel is not home because I just every day can't deal with the shame. <laughs> the shame. I don't shame you. You shame me zep, zep, zep. all the time. <laughs> Look no, at I your don't. paws, full of grease, greasy paws. <laughs> I don't say these things. This is so harsh. I you're, support I think you're your projecting. breakfast decisions, Zeb. You can eat whatever you like. You can eat eggs galore. You do, do you still eat, eat sausage rolls eggs, a lot, Zeb? You eat a lot of eggs. No, I don't eat many sausage rolls anymore. There's oh, no you can't get access nearby. to the sausage rolls. Oh, He's no. He's replaced the sausage good. rolls with eggs. <laughs> do you? Eggs. Well, that's good. That's better. That's better, I suppose. Yeah, but is do that you, many do you eggs guys smoke? You? Do you guys wake up and have a ciggy before you eat breakfast? I'm so glad we're doing this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I generally... Well, I, I at the moment, have breakfast. been eating a lot of... Uh, because I'm freaking. If I get salmon from my work, I've been eating a lot of salmon... Uh, English muffin and avocado. Otherwise, I'll just have some Ooh. butter toast and a black coffee with Delicious. my AeroPress. Yes, yes, yes. Delicious. Um, mm. I don't think we have any more. Uh, <laughs> that was, that was the, the grant, the sum total of, <laughs> of our questions. And I can't think of anything else really. So maybe this would be a good time to jump into your guys' updates on any of the issues. Unless you have anything else you want to add in the kind of like... <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. laissez-faire. 40, 40 minutes <laughs> I can hear, been waffling on. <laughs> can hear Zeb getting very uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm thinking of this as like a little kind of like uh, a little 
unwarranted victory lap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Well, we reached nah, like we'll 500 boil it down. We'll boil it down. That's we'll boil it down to the boil only it the right stuff down. that's funny. Yeah, about 10 minutes this can be, I think. Anyways, guys, <laughs> listen to my story about my colleagues. So I told them last time that our recording was like three hours. And they're like, oh, my Lord. And I was like, yes, I have to record again tonight. They're like, another three hours. I'm like, no, no, no. That's yes. <laughs> Rachel, did you Could hear Rachel's story? <laughs> Shush. Let me. I want to tell my story. <laughs> Shush. No, listen to my story. What? That's not my story. <laughs> is that not your, Is there more to it? No, that's the story. <laughs> that is the story. <laughs> it's a good story. <laughs> my life is really uneventful, okay? I have nothing to contribute. Um, okay, so let's get into kind of like, do you guys have any updates? I, I was not tasked with figuring any out, so I don't I really forgot, have any. But Zeb has some. <laughs> Read them out Zeb? to me and then I will repeat them as if I did Tell us a work. story. <laughs> Uh, the last thing before we move on from this little moment of self-righteousness <laughs> is uh, uh, I noticed that Zeb cut this out of the last one, but my mother has some very uh, exciting and very terrifying footage of the Gilets Jaunes, as, we've, as I've discussed many times on the show, and it's been... <laughs> And now it's going to go in. So Zebs can't destroy it this time. Uh, my mum, when she was in France, when she was in France, she recorded uh, this footage that you're about to hear right now. I seriously can't believe. I can't tell if you actually want me to include this. I want you to include it in. I want you to include it in. It's very important to me. It's important clearly. To me. <laughs> I know, but I can't He's been tell. saying this Because I listened to it. It's not very compelling footage. Hey. Don't you dare I mean, say nothing that. against your mum's reporting, but it is compelling footage because my mother <laughs> wants me to put it in. Then mummy knows best. <laughs> it will go in. <laughs> and here it is. Here it is right now. Okay, so let's get into updates. Uh, any updates that you guys have collected? We've already done the spiel, so go. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, the Juggalos, um, I just, uh, yeah, after kind of briefly looking up, looking, looking, you know, ICP up on Google News to see if anything had happened, I saw an article that I think was published this week um, by uh, the, uh, sorry, uh, by Huffington Post where um, Violent J was uh, kicking off at the Atlantic magazine. The Atlantic oh, magazine. okay. Yeah, so um, they they described the Trump uh, administration as quote the political equivalent of the insane clown posse. I'll re- actually, I'll read out the full quote for you. Ah, interesting. Um, well, this is media at, related too. Very good, Zeb. Oh yes, yes, yes. Um, oh, yes at noon tomorrow, nice. our four year experiment in being governed by the political equivalent of the insane clown posse will finally end. It is ending in Juggalo style. Brackets. Some have called it Trumpalo. Close brackets, which I hate. Oh. Um, Violently and pointlessly, with a handful of deaths, the smearing of various bodily fluids, and a riot on the way out. After any uh, bacchanal, uh, after any bacchanal of this magnitude, the sober dawn is almost what? as dis. <laughs> I don't know bacchanal? what that word is. B a c c h a n a l. The 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 like the Atlantic seems to be. Like very, uh, I I don't really get what is what the Atlantic is, but it seems very pretentious. Whenever I've come yeah, across I can it, tell you that it's hoity-toity. That's all I can. It's tell a bit hoity-toity, no? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. After any bacchanal of this magnitude, uh, the sober dawn is almost as disorienting as the hysteria itself, and the most urgent task 
<clears throat> after wiping the shit from the Capitol hallways is to prevent a repeat performance. Shut the fuck up. What a fucking mm. loser. But, um, Dude, it's in- like, I, the, the, again, the juggalos become this catch-all phrase for just weird, poor people. Like, I really, really see that yeah. more since the episode. And, like, it's, like, interesting because, like, you know, we're talking about Capitol Hill and we're not going to go into some 50-minute spiel about Capitol Hill, I promise. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> it's worth noting that all the kind of, you know, QAnon uh, guru dressed up like Viking freaks are mostly fucking middle-class people from L.A. who tried to be actors and dropped out. Like, you know, like, yeah. in terms yeah, of the exactly. really ones that hit... It's so, it's like, a, and then to be like, oh, it's poor, weird people who are weird because they're poor and they're angry and dumb. Or it's, it's such an annoying, such an annoying way of painting just the people who like, yeah, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in response, Violent J. Hey, Bruce. Bruce. They're both called Bruce. That's right. So what's, what's, uh. Are they Rachel? Bruce. Yes. I don't know. Which, which Bruce <laughs> is Violent J? No. Yeah. Bruce. <laughs> the, the, Bruce, which one? Which Bruce is he? Number one. I don't know. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um, in response, J said, uh, quote, I can't believe the Atlantic.com would hire a writer, presumably for his expertise in journal- journalism, who's that off the mark, which is great. Oh. Saying, um, uh, saying that they had, uh, yeah, like he was essentially saying they had no clue who the jugglers are and what they're about. I think uh, I think a good example of this recently is, um, which I think we actually we did mention briefly in the in our first episode, um, the fact that ICP at the exact same time that Trump was trying to downplay that there was a virus at all and the danger of, and he was telling yeah, people yeah, to yeah. bleach and all this kind of shit, ICP were postponing the gathering of the juggalos because, uh, mm-hmm. and this is a tweet from ICP in April saying, the bottom line is that we refuse to risk even one juggalo life by hosting a gathering during these troubling times. Good. Good on him. Yeah. Good on him. I got another quote here. Um, the truth is it fucking hurts and it's scary seeing professional adults acting like savage bullies, he said, noting that ICP mm. fans make... Quote, easy targets because they're so misunderstood. Sad little yeah. bullshit like this makes me question the media in general and lose a little faith in just about everything I fucking read. <laughs> there you and, go. Uh, there you go. That's from, uh, that's from ICP. Well, good on Should him. Who was... posted that article or you just read that? That was Huffington Post. Um, oh, that was Huffington Post. Well, good on you, Huffington Post. And shame on you, Atlantic. Yeah. Yeah. Shame on, uh, I, yeah. Graham Wood. Shame on you, Graham Wood. Shame on you, Graham Wood. Yeah. You wanker, shame. man. And you wanker publication. <laughs> um, another thing uh, with a uh, hold on, uh, Bon Appetit, the uh, the BA test kitchen. Um, oh, I've got a vague, I've got a vague update, but maybe you'll cover it. But it's more of a gossip one. It's not a. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm 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 on the gossip thing as well. I'm oh well, okay, go go go. Dish dish men. dish, oh, well, baby. One man and one lady. Oh yes. Um, yeah, so I don't know uh, if uh, many of you listeners uh, have uh, ever paid much attention to Reply All. But it's an interesting show. I've always loved Reply All for being like a very sweet, easy to listen to show about, I guess, what, uh, what do they describe it as? The, um, the intersection of life and the internet. And uh, yeah, run by these two guys, um, Alex and PJ. Um, they've, they started doing a, a four-part miniseries on the BA Test Kitchen like ah. two weeks after we did it. So I think ah. that maybe... It stole our I think idea. They may have, have uh, yeah, <laughs> may have listened to our episodes and uh, our. Episodes <laughs> they and... got a little bit ex- inspired, <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit. Um, a little so... bit inspired. <laughs> 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 
so they um yeah so they're doing this uh four-part series which i was excited to listen to but um at the time couldn't be bothered because i just finished doing our research it's saturated yeah <laughs> yeah but um they didn't even make it to episode three i don't think because um they got called out for the exact same toxic workplace culture that, <gasps> that, that Bon Appetit had going. No. Oh, really? Yeah. There you go. There what you go. happened? Yeah, it's very, oh, very rich. <laughs> um, which means that soon enough, hopefully with any luck, we'll get called out for the same toxic workplace culture. <laughs> well, could yes, be. the bullying. <laughs> bullies. The bullying, a yes, I see it. A bunch of bullies. <laughs> yes, um, yes, yes. You two yes, are. I agree. So the, <laughs> the, um, bullying old me. It was... <laughs> Uh, PJ Vogt and uh, one of the producers who would appear on the show quite often, uh, Shruthi Penamanini, I think is her name. I can't remember exactly how to pronounce her last name, but Shruthi. Um, they were accused of uh, tokenism and uh, and a little bit of union busting. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, preventing people from forming unions oh. and getting paid fairly at how work. How many people work on this show? They work for Gimlet Media, which is a pretty oh, massive... Oh, I was going to uh, apply to okay. work there when I was still in New York. It's a good thing you didn't because toxic workplace culture. And so now, yeah, the end result is that, um, yeah, uh, PJ, one of the two hosts of the show that's been going forever, has left the show, <gasps> as has um, uh. Shruthi. Yeah. Wow. And, um, yeah, it's very funny because, yeah, as they're recording this, a bunch of ex-employees, like, <laughs> tweeted almost word for word the exact same things that were tweeted about BA. But I, I suppose it's, it's like, less coincidental than it is a bit like, you know, that was the end of the line with, like, hip, the hypocrisy of be, of making a show like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, no, no, it's no coincidence at all. I think everyone was just like... <laughs> What's the, How dare you? The audacity. <laughs> like it's it's pretty astounding. That Another would... reason why the the test kitchen will go down. <laughs> Think of like some sci-fi future, like uh, that. What's that Wachowski film? The where it's like the the true true. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> the Matrix. No, no, no. <laughs> the true true. The long, 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 long one about different. Oh, time Cloud periods. Atlas. Cloud Atlas and the Tom Hanks oh, will be sitting around and go, the I test like kitchen in the time of the true true <laughs> was the one <laughs> that was the raindrop that became the flood <laughs> at the time of the true true. What, um, what is this choo choo? What is this? <laughs> that's, what they, that's what Tom Hanks calls the present time in the future, but oh, you think it's the past, the it turns out. The choo choo train. <laughs> no, it's <yeah>. the future. <laughs> the, you've you've yeah, tapped the, the into something true. that Rachel adores, Tom, which is saying words two times. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Choo-choo. <laughs> yeah, me and Rachel um, are getting a cat. In, getting a cat. In are you really? You didn't, how did yeah. you mention this ever? Where did you get a cat? Oh, well, because it was we a decided snap, it snap like two days ago. But yeah, no, we, we've been thinking about yeah, getting a cat right, for a right. while and then we found a cat. You could, I guess so in Australia you can just get a cat like that. In Germany you have to go through a, a stringent process. Well, to adopt. You have to go yeah, through a stringent we're, process. We're adopting. To, Ah, in Germany they have to do house inspections and check that you're not a... Yeah, I think that... Anna's giving me a look like I'm just... I'm wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, I think that there are... I think there are certain shelters where they do that sort of thing, but I think the shelter we're getting this one from is pretty private. But it's no cure one. Anyway, yeah, so we're getting this cat and uh, we're trying to think of a name for it. And uh, every name I pitched, Rachel would have to say it two times to see if it would... (laughs) <laughs> like, what do you think of the yeah, name John? Gonna, and she's like, oh, what about John John? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yes. <laughs> well, me and Anna are about to get a little colony of shrimp. So that's also very Ooh, exciting. Oh, that's very exciting. Not colony exciting. of shrimp. 
Yes, yeah, yes. You've had a shrimp yes. colony before, haven't what? you? Yeah, but this time I've spent oh, like half of my <laughs> of my <laughs> first startup paycheck has gone <laughs> like entirely into shrimp. I'm spending <laughs> big bucks on like Japanese micron powders and oh, it's, but, but, it's but very. So we could do an entire show but like how? chronicling. I was your, legitimately uh, your, your thinking. If, uh, I was legitimately thinking of, of doing something about once I'm good at it doing something because the thing is when you look up this stuff you need to look up this stuff about shrimp stuff otherwise you know well you don't need to you can if you want to go down the rabbit hole and anyone that you talk to is like some South African guy who's like yes when you use the micro necton powder yes you you will find that your shrimp are very happy yes uh, yes like staring at the camera from like 16 meters away <laughs> like looking through like an open door from going Yes, the shrimp, they'll be very happy with you, yes. <laughs> but <laughs> but someone so, needs to sweep in <laughs> on that market. How are you having shrimp? You live in a house. Don't you need a sea and Tank. a <laughs> Tank is the, is the, is the, is the <laughs> in a fish tank. <laughs> but there's, but. But how? They need space to swim. And I'm so no, they're, they're actually easier to, to keep the fish. A lot easier. But don't you need lots of them? Like, how are they all going to fit into a tank? Like, how many shrimp are you <laughs> Little tiny, tiny, tiny shrimp. Not, not, not like, uh, not prawns. Not like that. <laughs> not like this. Like, like, like krill. No, nah, a bit oh, bigger. Sort of okay. in the middle between those two things. You'll see. Uh, you'll see. I'll, they'll be all okay. over my Instagram. You'll, you'll <laughs> have no choice but to see. Um, on the test kitchen, I have some two very vague updates that uh, I don't have right in front of me. They're, very, they're more in the. Firstly, I saw I posted it on the Opheads Instagram, but there was like some correlation. There was some stat I saw where um, the uh, numbers are actually going down quite a lot, which is good since the everyone walked off the show. It's actually yeah, not nearly as yeah. successful. I definitely haven't really. I haven't been watching anything since it all happened. But, well, exactly. It's a, it's a bummer. You can't go back. And all, and the other thing was there was this sort of – this is really just gossip, but there was a thing where Gabby uh, sort of like outed um, – there was this whole sort of – I mean, it's really like not that, you know, concrete. Gabby w- outed Zola as being like um, annoying, basically, just like that she okay. isn't necessarily the, the best person on the show and kind of like um, not everyone's the biggest fan of her and, and she was sort of like – why, why, you know, like, uh, I don't know, there was something like, something like that. I don't remember the exact post, but she was kind of coming out and saying, like, uh, everyone's worshipping Zola, which is kind of annoying, kind of like a bit of a bully, which, yeah. you know, I think the general consensus is like, well, that may or may not be true, but it doesn't detract from Zola yeah. being good yeah, for totally. believing and et cetera. For sure, for yeah. sure. Yes. One second. Did, did we get a package? Yes, the shrimp <gasps> stuff. Oh, <laughs> means the, the Java moss is there. Oh, the Java moss is there. Okay, cool. Uh, after this, I've got to go set up. Oh, yes. Very exciting. Garnelian <laughs> Gumma. So I'm going to try and get us sponsored by Garnelian Gumma. Garnelian Gumma. <laughs> the, the, shrimp, the shrimp shop from, uh, from Charlottenburg. I'm going to get into no, Maybe they will. Actually, that's, I'm going to genuinely look into that. <laughs> I, yeah, um, I'm... I'm, I'm Happy that you're back on the shrimp thing. Oh well, on the on the yes, I finally have the cash and the time. Yeah, because well, I, dude, I, I, have I, I explained the fate or the kind of ambiguous fate of your fish. Yeah, I kind of forgot because I got very sad about that recently. But maybe, yeah, go tell me again. Oh no, well, I don't really, I don't really know. <laughs> I mean, like what? I looked after them very well um, until I left the house and I couldn't bring them with me. 
Right, okay, so they probably Because I came back from the States and the goldfish was had turned white because it hadn't eaten anything. Yeah, hadn't in eaten long. in a long time. That's what will happen. You know, my, my dad has this friend who's a little out of his mind <laughs> who was, like, in charge of taking care of the house for a bit while we were all away, who, who legitimately is, is, like, mad. He's completely mad. And when I came back, my once my goldfish, you know, still living at home, my goldfish was just different. <laughs> I was convinced <laughs> that it died and because he didn't feed him. And then he just replaced it because it was this big fat goldfish. And then it came back. It was weird. It had like a weird, weird shaped head and everything. <laughs> I swear oh, he just no. went and bought a new one. And I was like, how'd you go take care of the fish? And he was like, yeah, good. No, it was fine. It was no problem. <laughs> just gave him the food like exactly like she said. Well, that's all my updates yes. for Test Kitchen anyway, my <laughs> brief yeah. updates. Uh, anything um, else that... that I guess Nagorno-Karabakh is a big one, but I don't know. We had the time. Yeah, no, I didn't. No. I didn't have the energy to dive into <laughs> yeah, the, no. <laughs> dive into the Nagorno-Karabakh stuff. Um, yeah, no, fair enough. I think I think it's um, from what I can kind of remember from just like kind of passively watching things happen. It seems like there are various um, breaches of ceasefire, and uh, I think that there's a bit of a growing movement to get um, the current Shinian. Iranian. Yeah, leadership uh, kicked yeah, out. Yeah, they kind of kick out Pashinian. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, yeah, and then uh, the uh, update on the bushfires. No, no I'm just joking. There yeah, are no bushfires. <laughs> I mean, there are some. There, but anyways. <laughs> that was a quick ch- changing of gears. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, Britney Spears, I imagine, like, I don't think I have to delve too far, like, too much into, uh, you know, it's been, at least it was, like, right after our episode came out, strangely enough, <laughs> um, you know, exploded onto the news. I think we were ahead of the curve on that one. We we sparked something. That was where we, you know, our million, our millionth download on that one. On the, yes. Uh, Britney Spears episode. Ten million downloads. We got a million Going on that strong. One. Yep. Just recently. Just like it all happened in the last two days, though. Um, <laughs> the last 10 minutes And then it went down again <laughs> We are stocks Flux and flows like the waves of this, this very ocean very ocean <laughs> Who's that from? <laughs> yeah, that was That's from Dale, Dale. <laughs> Dale. What? Dale. I feel like a half the time that we do this podcast I'm literally just sitting in Shutting and bantering What is happening? To paraphrase a very long story, a guy from our film school was uh, sitting on a beach who was a very uh, eccentric man and Zeb asked him, you know, like he because he was a weightlifter for a long time, he was a sort of workout guy and Zeb said, do you, do you sort of get sort of supreme confidence from your weightlifting or, or do you, is it a sort of thing that comes up and um, up and down that you sometimes, you know, you get obsessed and then you, you forget about it? And I his just response asked him if was, it had helped his self-esteem. That's it, yeah, yeah. And he was, you were looking at the beach, right? Yeah, we're sitting on the beach, me and him, in the wind. Yes. And? And his response was, um, oh, Zeb, Zeb, it flucks and flows like the waves of this very ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Motioning with his arm out to the beach in front of us. And it was very one, sweet. And that was like, I think that was the same day that I walked in on him <laughs> yeah. in the bathroom, looking at himself very sternly in the mirror going, all right, chums, let's do this. <laughs> I was like, Dale, who are you talking to? And he's What's like, oh, um, uh, uh, just myself. This is like, such a movie. This is a whole movie. I know. No, Dale's That's, a that whole Didn't film school. Dale? No, I didn't meet Dale. No, nah, surely. You would remember. remember. Yeah. 
Film, film, that film school, honestly, the, the longer I go from being, you know, in that film school, the more I recognize it is not really happening. <laughs> so it's just a big, like, <laughs> fever dream, man. A weird place. <laughs> yeah. Footscray City Films. Footscray City Films. They've changed ownership. They've changed leadership, but they still exist. <laughs> Look them up on Instagram. Look them up. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, any other any other updates, or should I jump into the? Uh... <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess just a and a brief interesting one that I that I found today about Britney Spears about two Republican congressmen Ooh. have uh, called for a hearing on the use of conservatorships. Um, these two congressmen from Florida, Matt Gates and um, Jim Jordan, wrote a letter to the House Judiciary Chairman stating. Um, Quote, if the conservatorship process can rip the agency from a woman who is in the prime of her life and one of the most powerful pop stars in the world, imagine what it can do to people who are less powerful and have less of a voice. Which Interesting. That was pretty astounding. Yeah, you know, you got these two Floridian uh, Republicans. That sounds very confusing, but I guess, I don't know, that's weird, interesting. Well, hopefully that that works. That's a little bit of, uh, I don't know, I guess, like proper sort of governmental... Yeah, Something, yeah, attention you know, to it. That's cool. On. That's good. There should going be more. On, I'm, I'm glad. On. Hopefully they, you know, re re uh, organize it a little bit. That's cool. Yeah. Very good. Good update. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> that I think that's that's it for uh, for Zeb's update corner. Rachel, do you have any anything to throw in with any of this? You got any vibes any? of updates? Any feelings of <laughs> any, any <feelings>. dreams? <laughs> <laughs> I'm you, very sleepy. I'm <laughs> dreaming of sleep. No, no. Updates well, on our stories. Not you're about to wake up because I'm going to jump straight headfirst into Emu Wars. Uh, oh. First, our first fan episode. Uh, what do you say? Like submitted by by a good friend of the show, Millop. And uh, yeah. I'm going to give a kind of concern. The thing is, Emu Wars is is a very interesting um, topic. It's the sort of thing you see, it floats around a lot in like, you know, interesting interesting facts or like on, you know, like uh, w- interesting Wikipedia articles to read, you know. So I don't yeah. know if you, got, you guys have heard a bit about it before. Yes. This happened in yes. Tasmania, didn't it? No, more Western oh. Australia, but sort of all, <laughs> well, sort of, no, actually only Western Australia. <laughs> the opposite end of the country. <laughs> The oh, emus really? and the wallabies had been at each other's throats for some time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like um, possum magic, but emu magic. Yes. <laughs> I think it's, it's it's one of those sort of wacky topics that comes up a lot that's usually just, you know, uh, just like, oh, did you know in Australia in the 30s had a, a war where they tried to kill some emus? And, the, and like, uh, I'm sort of going to do a, like a kind of not so deep dive into the kind of... Um, Sort of explanation of because you you know like you just read it as one of those weird things and then there is an explanation for why it happened and it was seen as weird at the time and so I'm going to kind of jump into that very very uh, but yeah basically we didn't do a full episode because I don't know there's a lot uh, of different media pathways and media bias but yeah um, it was hard to yeah hard to divvy up this story into three different aspects the story of the emus and the story of the humans. Yes, it, it, but it's a fun story and it is partly to do with kind of some of the themes of the show that we do, such as like, uh, it, like it, was a, it was a media, it was sort of like this um, coalescence of like um, the government trying to kind of bluff its way out of a hole and kind of trying to, like, you know, a little bit of like propaganda to appeal to the veterans, but also kind of a, like a big media kind of circus. I guess you call it a media circus, so I'll, I'll jump into it now. <laughs> all right. So we, we're going back to the 30s. This all happened in 1932. 
Um, and this is uh, just after after World War One. Uh, the you know soldiers from Gallipoli and yada yada returned back to Australia, expecting to kind of uh, be able to find work and integrate back into society. And obviously, you know, we know how traumatized everyone was after World War One. Um, uh, and they sort of came back to find that there weren't really enough jobs to kind of go around for all the returning soldiers. So the government introduces this soldier settlement scheme uh, where they kind of like kind of gave them land to farm. Uh, so they offered large tracts of land to returned servicemen as a part of this swords for plow sharers scheme. So the idea was like, uh, you know, all these soldiers trying to like fill up the cities and looking for work and kind of like do some farming and, and we'll give them the land to do it. Um, and that was the idea. But they learned pretty quickly that the land that the government had given them was like very shit land, <laughs> like not not very good for farming at all. Um, it's not surprising at all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I've got some quotes on, on what it was like, just a couple of brief ones. This is from Robert Buck Stevens. This is in, like an article by the ABC. Um, the blocks were never big enough and a lot of soldiers walked off their land and handed their blocks to other soldiers to help them become viable and make a living. The blocks were very small from about nine or 10 acres up to 15, which was considered a big one, which I mean, Rachel, I feel like you'd have more of an idea. I don't know what 10 acres looks like, but is that like a football field? Big. or? No. Uh, uh, no. Well, 10 acres is probably, it's bigger than a football field, but it's also yeah, not right. like, I think people would think that 10 acres looks like a lot, but it doesn't actually. Well, right, right. And in terms of how much land you can purposes. utilize for farming, it's pretty yeah, shit, not right? Yeah, that like much. It. Yeah. Um, I've got a quote about the kind of issues that they ran into. This is, I think, from Queensland because it's about pineapple farming, which is not really Western Australia, which is where all this will later take place. But I just found this. I thought it was interesting. Um, this is from Margaret Wood, who grew up in one of these farms. You'd get a good season and then a fire would burn you out or you wouldn't get enough rain and there was no such thing as irrigation. Pineapples either grew or they didn't grow. The soil was not suitable to grow pineapples and that was that. So the land was crap, uh, people were getting upset. I mean, obviously as well, we're talking about World War One veterans. Um, so, you know, it was kind of this rising uh, chatter of like how this wasn't really working. The farmland was basically barren and uh, it was plagued with native animals, which we'll get into. And the soil was terrible, uh, so we didn't really give them many options. So ended up like wheat was grown quite a lot, which is one of uh, Australia's biggest um, exports at the time. So there was some money to be made out of that, I suppose, until the Great Depression uh, hit in 1929. Um, the Great Depression, yeah, like so the, when the American stock market crashed and there was like the dust bowl with the farmers, so, you know, to make back some of the money that they were losing, America kind of uh, like... Uh, do you say created a lot of tariffs? I don't know. Like there was a lot of tariffs. Like, uh, mm. yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know, whatever. They they made a bunch of tariffs. They made a bunch of tariffs. I don't. Know. Uh, and so like you there know, there was uh, a bunch of tariffs. There was a bunch of tariffs implemented, kind of like to sort of like you know I don't know to like uh, make back some money. Um, Australia was dependent on like mostly wool, but also wheat uh, exports, and so now they were not making nearly as much money. So this was like even worse for the farmers. Uh, also something about like, uh, we pegged our currency to the British gold standard and then the British did something or other, like they, I don't know, they fucked us around. So we were, we were way worse off and, um, exporting wheat wasn't profitable anymore. So they were struggling a lot. And then, uh, the wheat also attracted the emus, which is where this story really begins. So that's the mm. kind of background. So emus regularly migrate after their breeding season and they head to... The, this is all in Western Australia. Um, they yeah, usually tell us, head what, to tell us what an emu is, Tom, for our eh? foreign listeners. Oh, 
An emu is our national animal, a large flightless bird. Uh, uh, in Australia, our native animals tend to be pests for farmers because, you know, we're not really meant to be here farming. <laughs> they're like, you yeah, know, exactly. they're kind of like, a, they're kind of like an ostrich. The Australian equivalent of an ostrich, they're a big, f- aggressive, flightless bird. I've been... They're not that aggressive. I've, I remember, I remember being in Gippsland as a young boy and they were they were taking my sandwiches out of my hand and they <laughs> couldn't shoo them away and they were coming in over my back and they were stealing sandwiches right out of my hands. They're very scary. <laughs> they are scary. So, my, my friend had a pet emu and she used to teach pet? us. Yeah. Her name was They Edwina. sound pretty aggressive to me. No, it was okay. Was a- like we would feed her, but then sometimes <laughs> if she got angry, yeah, she'd chase us. That was very scary. And then she'd like attack us, trying to jump over the fence. That oh, was they're scary. very scary. That they're about two fun. meters tall. But then you didn't. Isn't your house full of uh, wild, aggressive dogs and terrifying <laughs> llamas that bite no. and spit? <laughs> yes. No, they're not terrifying. Everybody <laughs> just thinks they are because they don't know how to handle them. They are. They're all. Zeb, Zeb is traumatized though by your dogs. I remember when he came yeah. back, he was shivering. I, no, 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 no. I have. Uh, I I have conquered the dogs. I not now. <laughs> no, no, not quite. Not in that they like me now. It's that I am the antagonist now. I'm the one that. Ah, you look at their eyes, Nico. Yeah, yeah. I knock on the I knock on the window. I go, oh, good morning, Chili. And then he goes Argh! and screams at me. But <laughs> I made it happen. It doesn't scare me that time. <laughs> you have the control. You're the captain. You are now. just a scaredy pants. Alpacas are not scary animals, and you got scared by Juliet. Yeah, Dad's that scared of the alpacas. I'm just not used to being around animals that are considerably taller than I am. Yes, well, that's life. Well, emus are. Very tall. They're about two meters tall. They're like bigger than an ostrich, I think. Um, they regularly sort of migrate after their breeding season, so they usually head back to the coast, uh, you know, for lands where they can sort of find enough feed. Suddenly there's all this wheat in the middle of that migration. Uh, so like the cleared land as well, sort of, you know, like they they halfway on on the way back, like I think it was I, – I, I've had this written down. I've lost it. It was either tw- – I think it was 20,000. I'm, I'm confidently going to say it was about 20,000 emus sort of – in mid-migration, stumbled across all this farmland and became a massive pest. Um, Rachel probably has something on this. I don't know if that happens out in, in the patch where there's emus around, but they're particularly problematic to farmers because they <laughs> dig up seeds, they trample <laughs> crops, and they're strong. And so they would break the fences uh, and let more pests in like rabbits. But did you have emu issues? On- no. <laughs> no. <laughs> there was, uh, no. Rachel's like life on the patch was not a farm. The patch yeah, is not a farming place at all. You keep getting it wrong. I grew up in the patch, the which patch. is like rainforest yes. area. And then and I lived just a on, house. and then Ballarat when we moved out like outside of Ballarat, that's when we got the farm. Why am I and that's when we had all Why have I got a weird story in my head uh a, like I don't know Yeah, no, no. There has been no emu infestation at any of Rachel's farms. At any of Rachel's farms, right, okay. Well, so basically we've got about uh, 5,000 veterans uh, who participate in the program. A lot of them sort of walk out and try and find work in the cities, but the ones that remain, uh, you know, suffering worse economic situations than before, a lot of World War I trauma, uh, they're stuck on these farms on barren land, uh, nothing's working out, and then this emu infestation comes and the government starts shifting blame uh, to only the emus, which is, you know, one factor to... But, I mean, I guess sort of like a more uh, aggressive factor with a, a name and a, and a, you know, beak-like face. <laughs> um, 
So it becomes this kind of issue and like uh, the farmers kind of, you maybe not you, they sort of gather and kind of like, instead of going to, they don't go to the Minister of, of Agriculture, they go straight to the military because they're all <laughs> World War One veterans. So their logic is like, I've seen what a fucking machine gun can do. We could demolish these birds with a bunch of machine guns. So they go straight to um, uh, Sir George Foster Pierce, who was uh, the uh, Minister for um, the Armed Forces at the time. This is in 1932. Uh, he was like a Labour Party politician, but eventually joined the National Labour Party and then the Nationalist Party and then the United Australia Party. Uh, and so he kind of, you know, quickly, you know, there's a, like a buzz around this farmers issue. They all want to sort of just, you know, nuke the whales basically. <laughs> and like um, they, he kind of passes it down to uh, this other guy, Major Meredith, uh, and sort of like tasks him with like, he, like it gives him kind of a hit list of like you need to bring me twenty thousand dead emus. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes, he goes off with it, and really like this is where the war thing comes in. This is the beginning of the emu war, but it's really just like it's like one little tiny squad of like five people with uh with um what kind of machine guns were they? We got to we got to piece the gun people. Uh, yeah. Caliber obscure. Well, no. Of Lewis guns, Lewis guns, and a little documentary crew, and it's a media thing. It's like you know, to kind of like meant to be. Look how successful we mowed down these birds. The farmers are happy now. I'm going to read an article which we can absolutely cut out, but I thought it was interesting because it's actually from uh, 1932. Uh, this is from the Canberra Times, uh, and it reads like this. It's very boring. <laughs> Emu war again. 300 killed in the first duel. Uh, machine guns reissued the Minister for Defence, Sir George Pierce, said today that acting on the information which appeared in the Eastern Press in regard to the use of personal of the military forces with machine guns, which has been provided at the request of the state government of Western Australia, and farmers whose crops were being spoilt by incursion of large numbers of emus in the outer fringe of the wheat belt of that state, he had withdrawn uh, the personnel with the guns. And I'm not going to read the rest of it. I just thought, <laughs> you know, it was for the thirties and you know, it's a news thing. Um, <laughs> mostly I'm going to, I'm going to read it. I found like a, a good description that really kind of gives a, it's in this blog. It's just a WordPress blog. And it's this guy called Zach St. J, but I thought his description of like the emu battles were quite uh, well written. So I thought I'd read these. Um, the, this is the first skirmish. Uh, two days later, the, you know, after like deciding they were going to do it, Two days later, the soldiers set up an ambush at a dam where many emus were known to congregate. Hiding in the bush in early morning hours, the soldiers let loose with their Lewis guns at near point-blank range on an estimated 1,000 emus. It would have been a very large victory if not for the gun jamming after the first few rounds. The soldiers frantically tried to unjam it, but by the time they were back in action, the emus had fled. The rest of the day, they attempted to lure emu emus back but the birds were having no part of it. Only about 11 emus were killed on this second day of fighting. Oh, this is the second effort. The first day was even more unsuccessful. The first day they tried to do it, they only they shot into just a big pack of emus and only about like 30 died. <laughs> like, and a lot of them actually... Apparently emus could take like uh, like rounds. Like emus were taking like five five rounds and just kept going. And oh um, yeah. After this bout, one of the soldiers is the second day that I was reading about before. After this bout, one of the soldiers was quoted as saying, the emus have proved that they are not as stupid as they are usually <laughs> considered to be. Each mob has its leader who keeps watch while his fellows busy, busy themselves at, with the wheat. <laughs> at first, at the first suspicious sign, he gives the signal and dozens of heads stretch out of the crop. A few birds will take fright. Fright? Flight, surely. But they, they don't fly. They can't know. fly. I guess that's just the 30s what? way of saying get scared. As one might imagine, the media had a field day with this, taking, uh, talking of how the birds had outsmarted the military. 
Uh, so then they went again and they changed tactics. Uh, this time now deciding to borrow trucks from local farmers and mount the machine guns on the back. But it didn't work as well because the guns jammed because they were on the back of trucks and it was the 30s, so the <laughs> guns didn't work. But apparently it was the best method. They killed some emus, which whoopee, like <laughs> killed some fucking birds. Very good. Um, and they, uh, uh, I'm just going to skip past some of this. Um, on November 8th, only six days after the war had started, Major Meredith and his men were recalled, thus ending the emu war. So yeah, there was just a bunch of skirmishes. They tried to shoot some birds. It didn't really work very well. They didn't kill many. <laughs> They'd spent roughly 2,500 rounds of their allotted 10,000 rounds of ammunition, uh, which actually was way <laughs> more... Because the whole thing was like one solution, which they ended up going with, was like uh, fencing, better fencing. <laughs> and they spent a lot more money on ammunition than they would have maybe on fencing, some would say. <laughs> Jeez. There are estimates ranging between 50 and 500 of the, what was it, 20,000 or 2,000 emus that they were meant to kill. Uh, and uh, the general consensus is they killed about 300. <laughs> Major <laughs> Meredith did not try to look at the bright side, stating in his official report that the Australian forces had sustained no casualties. <laughs> <laughs> a, quote, a quote from Major Meredith sums up the strength of the emus. If we had had a military division with the bullet-carrying capabilities of these birds, it would face any army in the world. They can face machine guns with the invulnerability of tanks. Um, during a parliamentary meeting about it, because obviously, you know, it, even in the 30s, people were like, this is so dumb. Uh, the farmers were pretty happy about it. They wish they killed more. But the, everyone in parliament was like, this is stupid. Uh, even one politician uh, stating that the medals should go to the emus as they won every round of the war. <laughs> But then the, the farmers go on to kind of request it uh, like again and again over the next like, you know, 10 years or so, even going as far as saying that Emu should be bombed by low-flying aircraft. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> what? These and, uh, Yeah, basically, yeah, exactly. It's really fucked up. Like, I mean, like, you know, like, I, I, like, it's one of those things where it's like, yes, the farmers are suffering, but also like, I don't know, like, Just I've emus, obviously got like... a lot of sympathy for the poor birds being <laughs> shot, but... They basically introduced a bounty system, so a lot of emus were killed, but in a much more, uh, uh, like, what's the word for, like, seems to naturally make sense. Um, intuitive. It seems a lot more intuitive. Mm. Uh, and uh, and they got better fencing, and then that kind of was the yeah, end of the, the emu situation. Yeah. But that's that's kind of, that's my uh, that's my little sort of semi-deep dive into the emu war. Um, it was like one of those stories where the uh, people just had one idea and then just went with that yeah. one straight up without yeah. thinking of anything else. But it's one of those, you know, you read these ridiculous things that you think like people go, well, we should just fucking shoot him. And this is like one of those stories to be evidence for like, doesn't really work, doesn't make any sense. It's kind of cruel <laughs> and stupid and like, you know. But, uh, you know, like it's, it's like I think that uh, I was interested to find out that the story has a lot more to do with like, you know, like the government trying to point attention away from like that they got granted shitty land. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that's kind of that's all I could get. Well, mm, I hope everybody pays their respect on the 11th of November for our yes diggers out in Western Australia fighting against <laughs> those emus. For the, no, the, I get for the emus fighting against no, that them. Was a joke. Yes, it was tongue and cheek. No, really, you could have we made know. a funnier joke with the diggers as the <laughs> emus because they were digging with their beaks. <laughs> you idiot, Sam! You didn't. You just, <laughs> you just left it there, man. This is right there for you. Just left it. Right. I mean, I honestly, if <laughs> if we're just if you're if you're saying that the emus were the diggers, my joke was 
to pay your respect to the diggers. So maybe I was inferring. Because then you said, Rachel, Rachel, I'm with you. What about this? (laughs) (laughs) This is what Rachel would have wanted you to say, Zeb, and you failed. You should have said, respect to the diggers, the emu diggers with their long, sharp beaks. And then it was a far superior joke. Oh, yes, no, wait, Tom, you needed to say it again. You forgot the, as their tools. (laughs) (laughs) And then shovels. Not specific enough. (laughs) We made it. We did it. We did it. Good job. (laughs) The joke has landed. With this team effort, we've built a joke. Okay. Well, uh, I don't really have any more to, uh, apart from like, thanks everyone. So really, really thank you so much for listening and and enjoying and giving us the feedback and and like, you know, it it means a lot that, you know, what we're doing, people are enjoying and, you know, we're only, you know, uh, pointed in the direction of what you guys are enjoying. So I think it's good to say thank you to everybody. It's really lovely. It's so strange to think that people actually listen to us talk. Because yes, it is. It's very odd. <laughs> yes, well, thank you very much for thank you very much for giving us this. Uh, like, for, for forgive us for this opportunity to have a little pat, a little rest time and a little patting ourselves on the back. And I hope you enjoyed the emu war stuff and some of the updates and everything. Uh, do you have anything else to add? Anyone? No. Goodbye, my friends. Goodbye, everyone. You can follow Opeds at uh, www.cowardspace slash Opeds or on Opeds podcast on Instagram. And uh, I've uh, me and Rachel actually as well. There's yes. a I've started a, a writing blog. It's called Third Draw Stories, and it's like some of the my writer friends, including Rachel Morrow, who will have uh, one part out by the time of this episode, at yes. least. You can follow it. Uh, it's at Coward Space, but please, 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 I'm begging. I'm literally begging. I know it's pathetic, but can can one of you or two of you just like some of the stuff on my Facebook? Because the algorithm, I have never <laughs> used it. And now I see that three people see the things that I'm posting, only three. And my mum is the only one that's liked any of it. And it's really <laughs> funny. Yeah. So I'm, liter- I'm legitimately begging. I don't care if you read it or not. I don't give a shit. Can you please just go like it? <laughs> okay, <laughs> like, I'll go like all of it. <laughs> when I get back onto the social media, Tom, I'll like it all for you. Yes, I'll be good. your number Boom. one fan. We did it. But no, no, but uh, yeah, there's lots of lots of my uh, friends, including Rachel. Rachel's written some, uh, quite a lot of it actually is Rachel for the first month, but also some of my friends. <laughs> it's all the, me. Yes, it's all Rachel. But there's the, <laughs> some of my friends and there's some good stuff there and I hope that you enjoy it. Obviously, it's free. Yay. To enjoy. It is exciting. Cool. cool. Yeah. All right. Yes. Well, bye everyone. I love you all. I'm very sleepy and I'm grumpy. So I want to go sleep. Yeah, no. yeah, Goodbye. No. Don't follow me anyway. <laughs> Goodbye, you. everybody. Thanks for listening.